Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It is really great to have you here. This week, I am the guest on my own show. The guys over at Rockin' the Suburbs Pod were kind enough to let me share our interview from my show at Lost Rhino Brewing in Ashburn, Virginia that we did back in July. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. So let's get into it. doing everybody it's your buddy maddie c it's great to have you here it's uh, it's wonderful to be here i am uh, i'm doing pretty well uh feels like i've got well i do have a million things going on and that of course is my own damn fault but that that is how i roll that is how i behave that is the way i live my life i i, I don't know if there will come a time when i'm going to change that i don't want to just say oh, well that's me and that's that's how i do um because i'm learning that i shouldn't really shouldn't do that because that's how you you do the same shit over and over again and you don't ever make any progress. And so I'm working real hard on that. But what I will say is that I I I I find that I am happier when I'm busy and I'm more effective when I'm productive and I find that I'm a better person when I'm active and out doing stuff. And so I've been real busy and I'm excited about that, but sometimes what happens is for a dude like me who um you know deals with some sleep issues some mental health issues, and just the good old fun that is ADHD, uh, I tend to get a little overwhelmed and I tend to, to kind of bury myself in a bunch of projects. So uh, I get a little manic and I bounce all over the place and uh, it feels kind of like that's what I've been doing lately and I'm kind of trying to sort of harness that in a little, try to take control, try to maybe slow down a bit. Uh, we've been dealing with a whole variety of things here on, on the home front. I'll just give you a quick kind of personal update. I live here in central Michigan, and um, we had a, a storm come through uh, on Thursday, August. Uh, I guess it would be the 24th. And um, it came through, and it was almost assuredly a tornado. And there was a ton of tree and storm damage in our community and in our general area. Uh, there was a state of emergency declared for the county that I live in. Thankfully, there was no damage at our house. We we are currently living without internet, uh, which is which is a whole bunch of fun. Um, but we're finding a way to make it work with cell service. So it's not like we're living in the dark ages. Uh, we were without power for a couple of days, but that did get restored um, on Saturday afternoon. And, um, you know, we've been really lucky, but lots of people here have had some pretty severe damage to their houses. There were uh, really, unfortunately, a handful of fatalities between uh, some some pretty severe incidents in both Grand Rapids and Lansing. And it's been a weird it's been a weird week driving around um, my neighborhood for a couple of days. It was very, very much like being in a war zone. It was I mentioned to my daughter when we were walking at out in the sort of field behind my mom's house where there was a ton of damage to a bunch of pine trees. Um, I reminded, or I told her that the, the, the carnage of this kind of reminded me of um, the Bastogne scenes 
in Band of Brothers Without the Snow. Um, it's just these these pine trees that have just been beat to hell. Uh, and then there was a photo uh, that we that we uh, we got to see yesterday of an actual funnel cloud going over the high school about a block and a half from where my my mom and my oldest daughter live. So it's been a weird it's been a weird uh, few days here uh, over in uh, in Grand Ledge. And um, you know, so hopefully any of you who are listening in the area, you are safe and well and uh, dealing with minimal damage or uh, modern inconvenience, as it were. Um, as many of you know, I recently announced, uh, and speaking of another sort of personal slash work thing, I recently announced that I'm going back out on another big tour. Uh, this one is a uh, nearly six-week affair that is going to run from the beginning of February through to the middle of March of 2024. And I'll go to something like 25 or 26 states or something ridiculous uh, if this all pans out. You can find all of the info on how to host, what a show looks like, how it works, all the details. You can find all that out at phonoforrecords.com slash house shows. Or you can even go check out some photos and some video from my most recent tour over at phonoforrecords.com slash Matthew Carlson. And if you go to one of those, you should be able to find the other one there with the navigations and such. So a couple of dates have been confirmed already. If you're interested in hosting and you see these, reach out. I got tons of dates, tons of states. Uh, like I said, six weeks of shows. It's like 32 or 34 shows or something ridiculous. Like it's, it's insane. I don't know what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is that you are also amazing and generous the first time that I did this, that um, you made me believe I could do it bigger and better the second time. And so I'm going to go ahead and run with that belief. Uh, I went to another big, good old-fashioned rock and roll show last week. That was two. Uh, as many of you know, I went to the Beths last Tuesday um, at the Bell's Beer Garden, which was a great experience. And then I went back on Friday night with my dear friend and bandmate, Jeffrey Pops Gower, from the Stickarounds. And Jeff and I went down to go see uh, a band called The Baseball Project. Um, if you are my age uh, and uh, at all like me, you not only probably know about the baseball project, they are probably scratching like four different itches for you right now. So for those of you what don't know, uh, the baseball project features a handful of things that, that, that dudes like me just go AP for. Number one, it's called the baseball project because every single song has something to do with the game of baseball. So it might be about a rule, a player, a position, uh, a monument, something. could be anything. Uh, they got four full records and a couple EPs. Every damn song that they wrote is about baseball, and they're good. They're like really good power pop songs. They're really, really good. The second reason that a dude like you, who's a dude like me, might be interested in a band like The Baseball Project is that there's a really great guy in that band named Scott McCoy. Scott McCoy is the uh, sort of the hero behind the Minus Five, and he's played with a whole bunch of bands, like uh, he was in R.E.M.'s touring band. He's played with Wilco. He made a record with Wilco. He's done a bunch of stuff with Robin Hitchcock. He's kind of an indie rock man about town. He's also one of the nicest people you are ever going to meet. And he has an amazing recovery story because just a few years ago he had a stroke and now he's back out on the road playing rock shows with his friends. And it's really, it's really kind of amazing. Uh, the third reason that you might like uh, the baseball project, if you are a dude uh, like me, 
who's like you. Uh, it's because there's a guy in that band named Steve Wynn who was in a really good band, uh, still is in a really good band uh, called the Dream Syndicate. And um, if you're into sort of power pop and uh, the Paisley Underground and some of the, that world a little bit, you know, kind of kind of dabbling in, you know, that stuff and maybe a little bit like the Velvet Underground, Feelys, Luna, New York thing combined with an L.A. kind of guitar, power pop, you know, Paisley thing. That whole thing together is Dream Syndicate and... Steve's kind of, I don't want to say the main man, but I think he's kind of the guy who sort of started the momentum of the thing. So that's, that's, you know, that's another reason why you might be into the baseball project. And the last reason, if none of those things, if great songs about baseball and Scott McCoy and Steve Wynn didn't, didn't lure you in, let me get you with the, the, the coupe de grace, as they say, where I came from. Uh, half of REM is in this band. Peter Buck and Mike Mills are in this band, and I got to see half of R.E.M. Uh, play uh, music 20 feet from me. And I got to watch them, and I got to sing along with them. And then after the show, I got to meet them and say hello. This is not the first time I'd met them. Uh, they're very kind people. Everyone in the band is super nice. Um, it was just a wonderful experience. Uh, I did have a little bit of a, a hiccup with, with my experience, though, and that is that I didn't eat dinner, and I was overserved. And so my ride home was a little rough. But again, my dear friend Pops really took excellent, excellent care of me. And, uh, it was, it was just a, it was just a great night. And, um, again, what do I always say when I tell you these stories? Do the thing. If you can do the thing, it will make you feel better. Um, make sure you guys are all paying attention to what's going on over at the Substack. Again, I don't really know how many of you are reading these things, seeing these things, hearing these things, checking in and out once in a while. So, I'm kind of trying to dial it in so I make sure that everybody is kind of getting all of this content because I know it's a, it's a ton of stuff. But again, I want to provide a lot of value for you. So just to kind of bring you up to speed, uh, the last two weeks I've been publishing these things that I'm going to keep doing that, that seem to be getting some, some responses and some traction and are kind of a nice way for people to catch up. I'm doing this thing every Saturday where on Saturday morning I'm, I'm putting out a, an email called The Week That Was and I stole the name from an old um, public television show uh, that talked about kind of the news and culture. And I'm really just kind of wrapping up what happened here kind of as a way for you to kind of just check in on a Saturday morning and go, hey, I wasn't following most of the week. Let's see what Maddie did. And you can kind of go through whatever's been posted for the week. Um, the other thing that is uh, that's really nice about that, I think, is it's a way for people to kind of go, but I always feel like I have things I want to read or I want to check out and then I forget about them or I add them to my reading list or I put them in a bookmark and then I just kind of forget about it and it goes away. Getting an email a few days later for me anyway, as an audience member, seems like a nice way to kind of get a little refresher just a few days after you got the initial email to go, hey, you know, you should go back and read that that thing if you were interested in it. Um, again, and then Sunday, uh, I posted a uh, enough about me, what about you kind of thing, and you guys responded incredibly well. People were great about what they were reading and watching and listening to and talking about, and it was just really, it was super cool. And I, I think I want to do maybe one of those each week and kind of 
do something a little more specific. So if you have ideas of good conversation starters, of things that we could talk about that are culture related or, or fit into kind of the ethos of what we're doing here, what am I making? I would love to hear from you. This is a nice segue for me to tell you that you can reach out to the show at our new email. It's what am I making blog at gmail.com. Again, it's what am I making blog at gmail.com. You can email me comments, questions, suggestions, whatever it is that you have on your mind. If you're more of a verbal person, more of a talker, you can uh, hit me up at speakpipe.com slash what am I making. You can use the uh, microphone either in your uh, phone or your tablet or your your computer. And uh, you can leave me a basically an old style voicemail, and uh, I can play it on the show. I can listen to what you think, and uh, you can you can kind of communicate with me that way. So, again, what do you think is a good conversation starter? Like, do you have a thing like you know, like something? It could be something as simple as like, what's your favorite war movie, or um, you know, uh, what was your favorite back to school purchase? I don't know. I'm not trying to be hacky. I'm trying to like have a genuine conversation that might lead to something fun and funny and interesting and people can kind of share. So if you've got ideas, let me know. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tweak that and work on that. And, uh, I'm just going to keep sending them out and let's see what, let's see what happens. Um, as far as other stuff that's gone on in the last few days, uh, on Monday, I published, uh, an update about my great experience, uh, on my tour in Knoxville, Tennessee. I talked about being at the Sun Sphere, the awesome folks who run, uh, real Knoxville independent and, uh, what a great, what a great, great town it is. Make sure you go over and check that out. And then, uh, just this Tuesday, I posted a, a piece about, um, my experience uh, losing a college scholarship on a publicly televised quiz bowl show and having it go to replay and literally finding out it, it it's a mess. I can't even go into it. You need to go read the piece. You need to go on. It's all true. It's all harrowing. It's all terrifying. And it really happened to yours truly, uh, Maddie C. Um, so again, make sure you're checking out the blog every day. Make sure you are communicating again, like rate review, the pod, the, uh, the Substack essays, all of that stuff. It's crucial that you, uh, you interact, the more you interact and the more you share this, the more of an audience that we can grow this to. Um, this is the spot where I remind you that this show is powered by your financial support. Please consider paying for a subscription today. If you don't already, you can sign up for as little as $6 a month. My friend Pete Dominic has a great line. He likes to say the show is free, but it ain't cheap. And, uh, I don't want to steal that from him, but damn, it is really true. It takes a lot of time and effort. And if I do say so myself, talent to put this thing together. And if you value that for it to continue, I got to have at least some folks paying for it. And I got some of you who have already signed up and my God, you're angels. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't signed up for a paid subscription and you're in a position to do so, it would, it would make a huge difference. If you could go over to whatamimaking.substack.com right now and do that, that would be awesome. So thanks so much for being here. Now let's get into the show. You are not here to listen to me talk about, well, I, maybe you're kind of here to talk, here to listen to me talk about my life. People ask about it all the time. Uh, it's weird. Um, I get uncomfortable regularly sharing as much as I do. Um, so I'm still trying to find a balance. So, uh, this is the most rambling intro I've done so far. And I think, you know what? It's a beautiful day. The window's open and, um, we're going to run with it. Okay. Let's get to my guests, which is cool people and me. 
So the guys at uh, the Rock in the Suburbs pod um, have been incredibly kind to me and supportive of my work and my bands. They have featured both the Stick Arounds and Harbor Coat repeatedly on their show. Uh, Jim Lenahan was also truly instrumental in helping me find willing hosts in a variety of cities for a bunch of the dates on my first solo tour. With that encouragement, their work on the pod and their in-person festivals, one of which the Stickarounds played in Chicago last year, Rockin' the Suburbs has become a font of friendship, connection, and genuine goodness. For our show in the D.C. area, at Lost Rhino Brewing in Ashburn, Virginia. Jim and his co-host, Patrick Foster, wanted to record an interview for their podcast with me in front of the audience. It was really fun. It was a great conversation, and they'd been kind enough to let me share it here with you as well in my own pod. And as an added wrinkle during the show... The guys also asked if it would be all right if I'd be willing to take questions from the audience during my set. And frankly, I I thought nobody would do that. I I thought nobody would be interested enough or or brave enough. And boy, was I wrong. And it wound up being a really unique experience, which you can actually hear in full on the Rock in the Suburbs pod where they posted a full recording of that show at the Lost Rhino in Ashburn, Virginia. And I'll include the link in the show notes so you can make sure that you go over there and you check that out. So you'll get to hear my conversation today, which is the first of the two episodes that they broadcast. And then the second episode is that live performance. And if you want to check that out, just go check the show notes and you can click the link and you can go on over there and you can check that out. But you should already be subscribed to Rock in the Suburbs in whatever feed it is that you get your pod from. So I think really you probably already have this. But if you don't, here's my conversation uh, with Jim uh, Lenahan and Patrick Foster of Rock in the Suburbs before I played in front of a really lively and fun audience at the Lost Rhino Brewing in Ashburn, Virginia. I want to thank Jim and Patrick and Sam, the intern who filmed the show, uh, for their support, their friendship, and for letting me share this with all of you. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the guys from Rock in the Suburbs. Cheers. All right, we're here at Lost Rhino Brewing Company in Ashburn, Virginia, and we are doing a live podcast here, Patrick. Yes, You and I here, rocking the suburbs. I'm Jim Lenahan. I'm Patrick Foster. And... Oh, I thought I was supposed to do... I'm Matt Carlson. (laughs) We're going to talk here with Matt Carlson. Hey, Matt. Hi, everybody. Are you so excited? (laughs) Come on, people. I am. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, people. All right, I want to mention here that we're going we're gonna to interview Matt, and then he's going to play some songs. And you're really going to enjoy this, believe me. And uh, anyone who does not enjoy this, there's a boxing academy just a couple uh, <laughs> spots down, and we can go fight later, all right? <laughs> I will fight you. That's right. That feels like a lot of pressure. I'm not kidding. The boxing yeah. academy is right there. Do you have keys? All right. You can get us in right now. <laughs> We can do that. All right. Uh, thanks to the people from Lost Rhino. You make yes. some excellent beer, and we so appreciate that. Uh, thanks to Bill Mulligan for running the sound here for us, running the recording. 
Uh, I want to mention that there's merchandise in the back there that you can purchase from uh, Matt Carlson. Please do that. And I just want to thank Matt Carlson for joining us here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about Matt and his music, and I'm going to start off with an easy question, yeah. just a small question. Okay. We'll build up to the bigger questions. Fair. Okay? Yeah. So the small, easy question is, who is Matt Carlson? That is small, and it is easy. <laughs> uh, Matt Carlson is a uh, graphic designer, a singer-songwriter, a dad, a husband, a friend, uh, a dude who quit his job a week ago to go on tour across the eastern United States. Um, yeah, it's true. Eight days ago, I left a job that I had worked at for 23 years. So Matt Carlson right now is unemployed. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, tell everybody a little bit about uh, what the tour is and and how you conceived it and uh, what, what you wanted to achieve by doing it. So I've been playing in a band called The Stickarounds now for 14 or 15 years, and I've been in another band called Harbourcoat for another six. And I've been playing with those two bands live for that whole time and um, play, give or take, you know, 20 or 25 shows a year. Thanks, Jim. Play 20 or 25 shows a year. Um, and... Uh, one of the things about playing original music at this level is it's really hard to make any money, especially if you're taking five or six dudes out on the road. And I realized that I was super unhappy with what I was doing for a living. And it was on the educational calendar. I sold caps and gowns and graduation announcements. And even before I decided to quit my job, I knew I was going to have most of July off and I knew I could take two weeks. And so I started looking at people that I knew around the country and going, okay, where could I go? I'd played a couple house shows, but I'd never done any any touring with it. I'd been to a few, and they're really neat experiences. But it was all really just a matter of a leap of faith and just kind of saying, I'm going to do this thing. Will you host me? And I got a hold of Jim, and I got a hold of some wonderful people from another podcast that I'm involved in called Stand Up with Pete Dominic. And basically, those two groups of people helped me get hosts for the 15 shows that I'm going to play. And uh, this trip will take me roughly 3,000 miles. I'm going to play in 10 different states. It's 15 different shows. And uh, I'm doing it all on my own. And it's weird. And your car broke down on the first day. It did. <laughs> it did. Well, technically, it was day three. <laughs> but I hadn't even left the state of Michigan yet. So um, so you're from Lansing, Michigan. I'm from Lansing, Michigan. And um, let's see. The Wednesday before the tour started, so the 21st of June... Um, I bought a new-to-me Subaru Outback. And within about three days, I started having coolant trouble with it. And on the following Monday, I took it to the dealer where I bought it, this independent, literally two dudes from Iraq. They're immigrants. They have this small dealership. They're trying to build something. And and it would have been really easy for me to go, oh, I'm going to get scammed because I'm having coolant trouble. And I called him, and he's like, bring it in Monday. I got you. So I bring it in Monday. They stay up all night, Monday night, looking at it. They fix it on Tuesday. He calls me, says, it's going to be ready for you at 10 a.m. when we open on Wednesday. So I go pick it up. On Wednesday, I pick it up. I drive it around town. Everything's great. I go to a show in Detroit on Thursday, a show in Kalamazoo on Friday. I come home, and I go to uh, uh, I go to leave, and, and I leave Detroit on Saturday morning, and I drive south. I'm headed to Pittsburgh, and the car conks out 45 minutes south of Detroit. There's steam coming out of the radiator. And I have a half an hour where I feel like this is, dream is dead can before I, I ever got out of the Can I just state. say, by the way, you're from Michigan uh, by American? 
Okay, Jim. <laughs> Jim. The car I had before this was a Chevy Equinox that I bought brand new and had to put a brand new engine in it at 114,000 miles. I did that, and then it died again with 187,000 miles on it. So I had an engine that lasted 114,000 miles, and then an engine that lasted less than that. At that point, I started thinking that maybe Buy American was a fool's errand. <laughs> All right. It's not that Fair bad, enough. but I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a while before I spend money on a, on a GM product again. <laughs> anyway, right, so the Subaru. So the Subaru breaks down, and I'm in this panic. I managed to get it to a parking lot of a library in this tiny little township. My dealer answers the phone on the first ring. He says, Matt, I can't get you a car, but I can pick this one up, and if you can come see me when you get back from tour, I'll have two Outbacks waiting for you to look at. You don't like either one of those? Pick another car on the lot. You don't like those? I'll give you your money back. So I feel like I'm not going to get screwed from my car, but I still don't have a way to get to Pittsburgh. Now, I have texted my friend Tim, who is in Detroit, who I've stayed with the night before, and within an hour, he has cleaned out his car. He is headed down to where I am. He picks me up. We load his my stuff into his car. I drive him back to his house in downtown Detroit, and he says, take my car for 16 days. That is a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Give it up for Tim. Absolutely. That's yeah. a good friend. And uh, so, the Honda CRV out there with the Michigan plates on it, that's, that's Tim's car, so don't hit it, please. <laughs> <laughs> so already, I mean, the, so the tour is off to a good start there because... Things, it, are, things are just going great, Jim. The power... No, but it, but it shows the power of uh, friendship and positivity, right? Like, this is, this is what you were looking for. In the, this. Yeah, this is an, exa- this is an amazing example of, of the community that I had hoped to kind of seek out and to, and to hopefully build. So one of the things that was really important to me in doing this was to, to kind of try to bridge these groups of people. So there's these two podcasts and then there's all these friends I have all over the country. And it just seemed like if I could find a way to snake my way to the right places, we could create some nifty little nights where some worlds could collide and, and really cool stuff could happen. And so far that literally has happened at every stop. It's been incredible. Well, these are the best people, by the way. Well, that's clear. That's I mean, we'll find out after I after I calculate merch sales. That's how we determine who the best people are. (laughs) So we look at we look at receipts. That's great. So let's so let's um, tell the people when I when I said who is Matt Carlson, I wasn't kidding. So I know you grew up in Lansing. I grew I grew up around Lansing, yeah, in Michigan. Yep. And and what. what are your earliest musical memories? My earliest musical memories were uh, like almost every other kid of my generation, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, uh, and Bob Dylan. Those were really the first three musical things that I really remember hearing. And then the thing that I remember kind of really falling in love with as a kid, in addition to those things, was my mom listened to a lot of uh, Donovan, Cat Stevens, and Simon and Garfunkel. And I think those three things were kind of really foundational for me, like, as a songwriter, I think that stuff kind of, there are moments where I still see that kind of stuff poking into my work. And that was a lot of the early stuff that I learned to play. Uh, but I actually learned to play guitar with a book called uh, Beatles for Easy Guitar. Anybody else have this book? It was literally this, 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 this book where they took all the Beatles songs and it was just major and minor chords. And if you could <laughs> play those, you could approximate. So there's none of the passing chords. There's none of the weird like modulations. It's just like, can you play... A minor and C and D and F. And you can parse your way through, I will. And I did. 
And that was like, it was like the sixth time I tried to play guitar and it was the one time it actually stuck. I was like 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, yeah. So you didn't start playing until later on. No, no. I didn't start playing until after high school. Okay. Yeah. So what did you grow up like listening to? I mean, was it the stuff so you it was, mentioned? It was a lot of that stuff. So my parents' first date, their first official date was to go see Simon and Garfunkel on the Bridge Over Troubled Water tour before the record came out. Wow. On Halloween night, 1969. And so I sort of think of that as like the, uh, the musical moment at which I was conceived because then my parents get married and I'm actually physically conceived. Um, and then Simon and Garfunkel become a really important part of my musical upbringing. But I was also raised on a bunch of like classic country. My grandparents listened to that. So I heard a lot of like Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Tom T. Hall, Buck Owens, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm loving the story. Um, when did you first think... Um, Matt, that you could do this and that it would make an impact on people or people would pay attention to what you were, were trying to do? Um, I think it's funny. I, I guess at this age, I don't think about it in terms of whether people are going to pay attention or I don't want to say that. Like I want people to come and I wanted to do it basically so that I could make it sustainable. I wanted to engage and uh, and sort of reach enough people that it was meaningful to do it and it was logistically sustainable to do it, that I had places to play, that I could make a little bit of money and get me to the next town, that it was really more about creating these little small moments than it was kind of trying to like create a lot of attention or buzz. It was right. like, what what's enough to will it into being? And I think maybe the, the one lesson I've learned of getting a little bit older is that willing it into being is really all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be anything bigger than that. Being able to do it is the gift. I was just trying to cheaply get you to say you wanted to meet girls. Um, so, so Patrick, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a quick story. Okay. I was, I was in theater and in quiz bowl in high school. <laughs> I pretty much had just decided that girls were not a thing I was going to get to be a, around. So it was, it was, yeah. I just watched a I, lot of Monty Python and listened yeah. to a lot of The Cure. Yeah. I, I played trombone in high school, which was a, I'm sorry. A girl, a, that was a, a female repellent. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So did you have any kind of musical epiphany? Like I always tell the story about how, like, when I went to college my freshman year, and got into REM and, you know, pressed play on Fables of the Reconstruction and heard those opening chords of Feeling Gravity's Pull. And I was like, this is it. This is it. Like, I'm now open to a whole new world of music. You had any experience like that? Yeah. Um, I heard uh, a Billy Bragg song uh, while I was in a car with a girl. And, uh, and we were hanging out on a Friday night, you know, just like you do in high school. And um, this song came on and it was it was all about this kid falling in love with this girl in high school and realizing that she was leading all the dudes on and that he was never going to get to hang out with her. And the Saturday boy, the Saturday boy. And um, I just remember hearing that. And I remember thinking, that's a short story in three and a half minutes. And it's a short story that I can relate to and that I could see and feel and uh, 
there's a line, I don't remember the exact line, maybe you remember Patrick, where he talks about standing outside of her window and he makes the realization. <laughs> right. And I just remember going, I've stood on that sidewalk, dude. <laughs> like, I've been there before. And I went, because I never, I never wanted to be like a shredder. I never wanted to be Hendrix or Jimmy Page or one of those guys. I wanted to be Peter Buck. I wanted to be Billy Bragg. I wanted to play guitar well enough to write songs. And after Billy Bragg, and at the same time as Billy Bragg, really, it, it was R.E.M. That, that really, that was really the linchpin for me. Um, for me, it was Document, not Fables, but um, I fell in love with that record hard. Uh, and, uh, and then I remember going to the record store, to Warehouse Records in East Lansing, the day that Green came out. And waiting in line for it. Children, we used to have records that used to get bought. <laughs> and you went to a physical place because that was how you had to hear music. And they used to, new release days were on Tuesdays. And in a college town like East Lansing, I don't know if you guys did this, you'd wait on Monday night until midnight. And there was always like, it was always an event. And so I remember at Warehouse that, that release, it was spring of 89. And, um, they brought in this giant balloon, uh, like, log. Remember the log from the front of it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> like, this green, and it was just, just this giant inflatable log sitting on a corner. And it was, like, the most stupid thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, but that's where I'm going to go get my record. Yes. <laughs> Warner Brothers had the money. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. Matt, when... You talk about those experiences, those formative experiences. Uh, one thing for me that was really powerful as I grew older and, and did different things was when another band, a newer band, recreated that kind of little firework in the sky. And then you could still connect it to like the bands that did that for you at the beginning. Yes. Were there groups along the way, um, you know, that did that for you? Not that I'm leading into teenage fan club. You're leading the witness. <laughs> um, it certainly, it certainly got there by the time bandwagon S came out. I would yeah. say that for me, the, the, the things I, I found after that, that really blew some things open for me were bands like XTC, Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. Right. Um, Echo and the Bunnymen was really big for me. And then, yeah, we get to the early 1990s, and then the, the genius of Teenage Fan Club becomes super important for me. Yep. I would say, other than Billy Bragg and R.E.M., Teenage Fan Club, in terms of my influence, probably have more of an influence than anybody else. Beautiful. So when did you start writing songs? Almost as soon as I learned to play. So, I mean, I had, I had always written lyrics and poems and stuff like that, and then I started putting chords to them and writing melodies and doing things like that and was terrible at it for a very long time were there, and gradually got better. Were there certain... Okay, this is interesting to me. So were there certain bands that you like tried to learn their song so that would lead you into your own songwriting? You know, yeah. that would that yeah, help you sort some, of like figure some, out how songs are put together? Yeah, so that was obviously much harder uh, than it is in the internet age because I couldn't, I couldn't go out and just go, okay, what are the chords to the Saturday Boy? Right. How do I play Levi Stubbs' Tears? I couldn't do that. I had to I had to figure it out. So I actually had a kid that I went to high school with who was a year younger who was a metalhead, but he was he was he had perfect pitch and he was kind of a musical genius. And so he helped me kind of 
suss out the chords on three or four songs that I was able to play. So like I learned to play the one I love. I learned to play uh, um, a couple of Billy Bragg songs. Like I learned to play like Waiting for the Great Leap Forward. Yep. Um, some stuff like that. And then I was able to, or, you, you could actually mail order a book of Billy Bragg chords oh, wow. from his from his office in London. And so I said, wow. like it was old school. I sent a check <laughs> and a little envelope. And like three weeks later, this package showed up from Barking Essex. And it was, uh, it was called Victim of Geography. And it was wow. all the songs from Back to Basics through uh, Workers Playtime. How cool nice. is that? Spreading the gospel by teaching other people to play your own music. I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's it's beautiful. amazing. That's yeah. beautiful. That's beautiful. So when you started writing songs, uh, what were the big themes to those songs? Oh, uh, unrequited love, you know, real, real original shit like that. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember one of the first songs I wrote, and I don't remember the name of it. I wrote a song about a gigolo. In, in Detroit and I'm sure I got all of the details wrong because I was an, just an idiot 21 year old kid who thought he knew everything but at the time I, re I really thought that like I was this was Bukowski level shit yeah I thought I was a genius well, you have to believe that every time you write a song, or uh, there's no other reason to do it, it's right? Fu it's funny. That that feeling has faded more, Patrick. <laughs> On that topic, um, when you got married yeah. and started a family, you know, when many people do that, it sort of, in some cases, kills and or stops your musical exploration or your creative influence, but... It seems that for you, perhaps it even made it stronger or gave you a new source of uh, inspiration to create I your art. It's funny. Nobody's ever brought that up before, but I think there's something to that idea. I think um, because, I mean, I, okay, so I learned how to play guitar in like 92, 93. I joined my first band in 94. It's over the next year. And then after that was over, I was kind of emotionally wounded. I was, I was really kind of hurt. I lived in a, uh, a college town. I lived in East Lansing and... What happens is you you make these really intense relationships and then people move on, and then if you live in that college town, you're sort of stuck there, right? And um and so, I I was feeling pretty. I don't know, I was feeling a little lost. I was feeling like I had done this really cool thing for a year and a half and it had changed my life, and I didn't know how to make it happen again. And so I kind of I don't want to say I stopped music, but like I really backed off, and um. I wound up sort of reinvesting myself in the world of theater again. And then my kids came along in 98 and I just realized that like I could spend time doing theater, which was every night, five nights a week, or I could make music and I could have band practice or rehearse once or twice a week on my own. And quite frankly, it was just much more feasible to do music. Yeah. And so I started doing a little home recording. I made a solo record. Um, and that all happens literally like that first solo record comes out the summer before my second kid is born. Wow. Yeah. So I mentioned the themes of your music. How have those themes matured over time? Um, I would, I would say that I don't think my work has gotten more political, but I think it's gotten more sort of directly observational about, I, I, I've spent the last several years writing a lot of songs about people who have been left behind. Um, that was never intentional. I didn't mean to do that. 
Um, and that is largely sort of the theme that runs through those two Harbor Coat records are people who have been sort of abandoned or forgotten or left behind or who are broken and no one seems to notice. Um, and in the stick arounds, it's different because I only write about half the songs, roughly speaking. And in that band, I'm still writing about those things, but because it's in the, it's in the guise of being more of a conventional sort of jangly power pop band, I, I think maybe the words get a little lost. And so the themes and the stick arounds aren't as apparent, but I, I don't know that they're that different. I think the presentation musically just changes a little bit. So on this tour, you started. How long? How, how long have you been going now? Uh, this is day nine. Okay. What have you learned about America so far? <laughs> driving around <laughs> on our highways. Ooh. <laughs> um, drivers in Maryland are intense. Um, <laughs> you people got the patience of like a ferret on crack, man. Uh, and I live in Michigan, and those people are aggravated all the time because it's cold and it's nasty. Um, what I have learned is that people are remarkably awesome. I, I have learned that for all of the awfulness that's out there, I have had amazing experiences night in and night out ever since I left town. And uh, I don't know that I'm surprised by that, but it really feels good to be reminded that it's true. Um, also, this is a really beautiful place. I drove through Loudoun County, Virginia today. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, it is. It's great. That that bridge over the Potomac, that's that's a nice view. Yeah. Yeah, it um, is. You know, I got to see the Poconos yesterday. I'd never been through the Poconos. That sounds like a place you make fun of. <laughs> you know? It's it's lovely. Those rock formations. I mean, it's just a highway. Uh, I, think, I think what I've learned is uh, I haven't been to a place yet where I wasn't pretty readily available to find some pretty awesome people and have a good night. That's, That's cool. very cool. Uh, what's the best thing you've eaten so far on the tour? The best thing I've eaten last night, I had fried cheese. Really? Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. Fried cheese is not the best thing I've eaten, but last night I was just hungry enough and just <laughs> drunk enough that it was perfect. It was perfect. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the spot that you're in. Uh it is. Um, and the food has been incredible. People have been feeding me like crazy. Uh, the, the woman who hosted last night had a probably a 14-foot table just full of food. Wow. Just nuts. That's great. Did you expect that uh, pinball would still be popular <laughs> as, I, as I look no, at the but, next room over here? No, but which is a I will pinball say, uh, I went to, uh, the first time I went to the great city of Pittsburgh, uh, I went to the Warhol Center. Just yes. a great museum. And when I was there, the, the exhibit was uh, the history of pinball was in the lobby. Nice. And the deal was you could play it, all of these machines for whatever the rate was when the machine was made. Oh, beautiful. And so there is a uh, Captain Fantastic and the Dirt Brown Cowboy machine out here. They had one of those, and you could play for a nickel. Nice. And so I spent an hour and 15 minutes in the Warhol just playing Elton John pinball. Uh, I did not... I was going to make my... If I had gotten um, into the top 10, I was going to do B-E-R for Bernie Taupin, and that was going to be my... Nice. Yeah. Now, That's how long beautiful. is your tour total, would you say? Uh, 16 days. 16 days. So yeah. who takes care of your lawn? 
while you're gone? Um, my wife is mowing my lawn while oh, I'm gone. Okay. Um, it's probably a mess because it's it's rained every day since I left, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But before I left, it hadn't rained in like a month. And so yeah. I had... You thought it was safe. I can go now. Yeah, I thought, well, I'll just leave now. Yeah. Well, that's a very relevant question, Jim, because as Buck Owens once said, who's going to mow your grass when I'm that's gone? That's a very good... Well... Whoever's going to mow it, I'm going to be at Sam's place when it happens. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about the songs you're going to play tonight. Is it going to be yeah. a mix of all your bands? It, so what I'll do tonight is I'll do, uh, it'll mostly be Stick Arounds and Harbor Coat songs that I have written. And then I'll play a couple songs from my band before that called the Pantones. And uh, I may or may not play a uh, cover or two just to appease our uh, lovely hosts. Sweet. Nice. That sounds beautiful. You got anything else? No, I'm excited about the show. All right. Are you guys excited about the show? All right. I can feel so. Now, before, before this, I did bring the bag of questions. The bag of questions. This is the much fabled bag of questions. Right. I pull a random question out of here, and then we ask Matt that. Okay. Can I ask a question about the bag of questions? <laughs> yes, of course. All right. All right. This is very meta. Where, where is the bag of questions from? Uh, my family room. Okay. And who wrote the questions? I did. Okay. When? Three weeks ago. And these are all questions for me? No. No? No. Okay. This is just a bag of questions. It's just a bag of questions. That's all it is. All right. And I'm realizing now I put all the cards... I like this. Blank cards without questions in this bag. This is clearly, <laughs> this is clearly a bag built for the long haul, people. So this people. is the problem. The, the this ones bag of questions right. is going to last forever. The ones you never finished are still in there. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right. I pulled out a random question. Format. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? <sighs> sea urchin, probably. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How'd that happen? Oh, by, it was by in a, a sushi. By accident? No, it was in a sushi <laughs> restaurant and it sounded interesting. I ordered it and it was not great. It was, <laughs> has anybody else had it? Sea so, urchin. So the way, they, the way they serve it, at least the way they served it at this place, they basically, you've all seen this, it's like a, it looks like a giant egg and it's all prickly thing on the outside of it. And what they do is they basically cut the top like 10% of the egg off to expose it. It looks almost like you've cut off the top of a hard boiled egg. And the inside is the consistency of like butterscotch pudding and about the same color, but it's kind of gritty and somehow more unguent. It's really disgusting. Oh, and it doesn't smell great. That's the other thing. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it's really good. Don't get it. We're going to try one more. Okay. If it's, the, what's the second strangest thing you've eaten? All right, no. All right, here we go. Question number two. Who let the dogs out? We all did. <laughs> We're all responsible. Thank you again to my friends Jim and Patrick from the Rock in the Suburbs podcast. Thank you again also to my friend Sam the Intern who filmed and edited that. You can see a clip on my YouTube channel uh, at Records on YouTube.com or you, there is a piece about this that's over on the Substack. If you just search uh, the word Connection, which is the name of the song I played, you can see that clip. Um, again, thanks to everybody there. Thanks to everybody at the Lost Rhino. That was really fun. Um, just one more wonderful and amazing experience from my incredible tour. Don't forget, 
I got another one of those coming up and you can be a part of it. Go to 404records.com slash house shows or 404records.com slash Matthew Carlson and you can get more info. Be sure to check out the sub stack and make sure you're paying attention on the weekends because I'm sending stuff then now too. So it's busy, 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 busy all the time for Maddie C. But I'm having fun and I feel really good about the work I'm doing and I'm really glad you're here for it. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll see you next time. Peace. get attacked by Matty C and his ADHD again? I think we did.